0: We're in the middle of a sermon series titled, Once Upon a Time, Ancient Stories, Ageless Truths. And the reason for this title is that we're looking at ancient stories found in the Old Testament. Now, when you hear the words, once upon a time, those words make us think of what? Of a fairy tale, right? fairy tale. Once upon a time, there was a queen or there was a princess. But let me tell you, these are no fairy tales. These are true stories that we're reading and we're learning from because they have powerful, life-changing lessons for us today. It will only receive them. It will accept them and put them into practice. Let me tell you that not everybody receives and accepts God's Word as truth. Many people will hear it and will reject it. So I pray that you will hear and receive this as God's Word and as truth. Today's message is titled, The Man Who Saw the Unseen. The Man Who Saw the Unseen. And that seems like a paradox. Because if it's unseen, how can it be seen? How can someone see something that can't be seen? Yet there was a man by the name of Elisha, that we're going to read about, who saw the unseen. Now I love this story. It's an amazing story. It's a, it's a humorous story, even, Of God's power to deliver from the enemy. And this story begins not with the words, once upon a time. But this story begins with these words. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. That's how it starts. And it ends with these words. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. So it starts telling us there was this war. And it ends with, okay, there's no more war No more battles. It's over. And in between, there is a story of a large army who went to war against one man, Elisha. It was a a large army against one. And Elisha not only won this battle without lifting a finger, without fighting, but he single-handedly turned his would-be captors into his own captives. And then he led them, like the Pied Piper, he led them directly into a trap, directly into the hands of their enemy, the King of Israel. And the King of Israel, who who considered killing all of them, instead, after being instructed by Elisha, fed them this huge meal, this great feast. And then he sent them home. And they're all just happy as could be. They're just eating. And you know... How it is, you put food in front of people, it just changes everything. everything everybody smiles. And so they had, been cap, uh, they had been captured by one man, Elisha. But instead of being killed, they're fed a great feast. And they all go home, back to their country, happy as could be. End of battle, end of story. It's a great story. We're going to learn a lot from this. So let's look at 2 Kings 6, beginning with verse 8. Now the king of Aram, some of your Bibles may say Syria. This is moder- modern-day Syria. And so some of your Bibles may say the king of Syria, the same country. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, that's Elisha now, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who was in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. So this is the way the story starts. The king of Aram, as, as I said, is modern day Syria, was at war with Israel. Now, Aram was the country just north of Israel. If, if you've been here for this series, or for most of this series, or if you've uh, caught the uh, sermons online, the recordings online, we've talked about how at this time Israel was divided into two countries, two nations. We call this a divided kingdom. Initially, Israel was just one country with 12 tribes. But after uh, the reign of Solomon as king, they split into two. It was the northern kingdom was Israel, made up of 10 tribes. And the southern kingdom was called Judah, made up of two tribes. So this takes place in the northern kingdom of Israel. And the country to the north of Israel was Aram. And so they were at war with Israel. And part of the strategy of the king of Aram was to cross the border and to raid some of the smaller towns. And he would surprise them. They'd be unprepared. He would raid them. He would take back, take back captives. He'd take back plunder. And so it was in one of these raids. Some of you know this, this story that I'm going to tell you. But it was one of these raids that the king of Aram went. And he took back captives. And in those captives, there was this young girl. And this young girl, this Israelite girl, uh, became the servant to the wife of one of the officers or one of the commanders of the Aramean army. Now, the commander's name was Naaman. And Naaman was uh, highly respected commander of the Aramean army, the king of Aram. Uh, respected him and, and trusted him. It was like his right-hand man, one of his officers. But he became sick with leprosy, the skin disease. So he didn't know what to do. Well, the, the young servant girl of his wife, remember she came from Israel. She had been captured and taken to Aram. She told uh, his his wife, and, and he said, uh, she said to his wife, there is a man in Israel, and, and your husband, my master, might want to go see him because... He can heal. He can work miracles. And she was talking about Elisha. And so she convinced Naaman to cross the border, not to raid a city, but to seek help from Elisha. Naaman did go and God did heal him after a little bit of drama from the king of Israel and a little little bit of drama from Naaman himself. God healed him. And so then Naaman went back up to Aram. He was completely healed. Now fast forward to the text we just read. The king of Aram is still sending raiding bands into Israel. And he has this strategy session with his war council, as it were, to detail his plans. And he was making decisions based on what he thought would give him the the element of surprise or the least resistance. He said, we're going to go here. We're going to do this, go there. He laid out the plans. However, no sooner had the king dismissed this meeting than the opposing king of Israel already knew of his plans in detail. These were top secret plans. How did the king of Israel know the details of what he was planning? What was happening was that Elisha the prophet was receiving word from God about those details, and he was sending word to the king of Israel, warning him about where the king of Aram was going to attack next. So when the king attacked, the uh, Israelite army was there prepared. So this made the king of Aram very angry. He became incensed because he thought there was a spy or a traitor in his midst. And he asked, which one of you is with the enemy? Which one of you is with the king of Israel? And one of his officers said to him, "Um, King, someone is telling the king of Israel your plans. But it isn't one of us. It's Elisha the prophet He tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us who this officer was that told him that. But many people believe that it was actually Naaman. Naaman would have known because, remember, he had gone down. He had met Elisha. He had been healed by God Uh, of leprosy, so he knew Elisha, he knew the power of God, he knew that Elisha was a man of God, so maybe he was the one, it's believed that he he might have been the one who told the king, it's not any of us, it's the man of God in Israel. At any rate, the king of Aram ordered that Elisha be found, and, and he was found in Dothan, and he sent a large army with horses and chariots to arrest Elisha, an entire army for one man. But it somehow never dawned, on the king of, of Aram. That Elisha would know they were coming. Because remember God was telling him everything. Elisha knew everything that he was saying. In the privacy of his bedroom. And he didn't realize. Well okay I can send an army. He's going to be ready. He's going to be prepared. So the army went to Dothan where Elisha lived. And surrounded the city during the night. So that under the co- cover of darkness. They wouldn't be seen. And they'd be prepared to capture Elisha. They were all in place. To execute the capture of one man. So we go on to verse 15. When the servant of the man of God. Got up and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no my Lord. What shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid. The prophet answered. Those who are with us. Are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Open his eyes Lord that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wow, what a fascinating thing. When, when the servant, because Elisha had a servant, he had his, his servant. In fact, Elisha had been servant to another great prophet, Elijah. And now that Elijah had been taken up into heaven... Now Elisha took his place as a man of God, and he had his own servants. And so when the servant got up that morning, he panicked when he saw this large army that had surrounded them. So he immediately goes to Elisha and expresses these words of fear. They're words of despair. They're words of panic. Oh no, what shall we do? Have you ever asked that question when something goes wrong? You're like, oh, what am I going to do? I think we've all been there. Those words of fear and despair. He was shocked at what he saw. An entire army surrounding them. But he was probably more shocked at what Elisha said to him. When Elisha said, Hey, don't don't be afraid. There are more with us than there are with them. He must have thought, What? There are two of us. And there's an entire army that has come against us. But then Elisha prayed this very important prayer. This is a hugely important prayer. Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And God answered that prayer. And the servant saw the hills full of horses and and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, in the Bible, the fire... Remember, he saw these horses and chariots of fire. In the Bible, fire represents God's presence. I mentioned Elisha's predecessor, a man by the name of Elijah... Elijah was taken to heaven in a chariot of fire drawn by horses of fire. God took him to heaven. Elijah didn't die. God took him to heaven. He was taken in a chariot of fire drawn by horses of fire. Because fire represents God's presence. What Elijah knew that his servant didn't realize until his spiritual eyes were opened. Was that God's presence was surrounding them in the middle of this great problem. When, when the servant got up that morning and he saw the enemy army, he was filled with fear. But, I mean, the, don't you think that his fear went away when he saw the forces of heaven that were on their side and that they were greater in number than, than the enemy army and greater in strength than the enemy army? Of course, his fear went away. Because here's a great truth that I want you to remember today. When our spiritual eyes are opened... Our earthly fears are silenced. When our spiritual eyes are opened, our earthly fears are silenced. And I say silenced because fears speak to us. Our fears speak to us. Our fears say, you're a failure. Our fears say, you're never going to get well. Our fears say, your husband doesn't love you. Your wife doesn't love you. Our fears say, you're never going to get out of this debt. Our fears say, you're never going to get your prayer answered. Your children will never come home. They speak loudly. They yell to us. But those fears are silenced when our spiritual eyes are open. That's why I said this is a very important prayer that Elisha prayed. Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And we all need to have that spiritual vision in our lives. Because spiritual vision leads to strong faith. Faith comes from spiritual vision. From seeing the reality that God's presence is with us at all times. This is why the psalmist was able to say, I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. This is why he was able to say in Psalm 27:3, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, Even then I will be confident. And notice that the psalmist recognizes that in an earthly sense the odds are against us. Because he says, though an army besiege me. He's not saying, though an army besiege us. But he's saying, they might be coming against me alone. Though war break out against me, yet I will not fear, I will be confident. How is that possible? Because the psalmist also had the spiritual vision to know that God's presence was all around him. This is why I believe that when we have a great problem, and some of you today might be facing a great problem. When we have a great problem, our prayer should not only be, Oh God, step in. Oh God, intervene. This is the time, God. But our prayer should also be, God, open my eyes, that I might see that you're already here. That I might see the angels, the ministering spirits that are ministering to me right now in this time of need. Because the clear that we can see the power and the sovereignty of God, the less we will fear our problem. I don't, want to live, I don't want to live like the servant, who might have been a good man, but he didn't have the spiritual vision to see that God was with him. Look, you can live like the servant, in panic and despair when you face a problem, or you can live like Elisha, who was confident because he knew that God was with him. His presence is with us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. And the word paraclete means one who walks alongside us. So He's walking with us. The Bible says that angels are ministering spirits. Who are sent to minister to us. Who are sent to protect us. How many of you saw the the story in the news this week about that 36 year old mother who almost went off the embankment with her two children. Did you see that picture? Who knows but that an angel is the one who stopped that car from going over. Because God sends angels to protect us, to minister to us when we follow him. And so our prayer should not only be in this. It's fine to pray this way. I pray this way all the time. I pray this way for me and for you. I say, God, intervene in this situation. Heal this person. Answer my prayer. But also let's pray, God, open my eyes. Give me spiritual vision. I want to live like Elisha, not like the servant. I want to live with confidence and trust, not with fear and doubt and despair and panic. So Elisha prayed for his servant's eyes to be opened, and they were. But he wasn't through praying, because he then prayed for the eyes of the soldiers in the army to be blinded, and they were. Let's read about this in verse 18. As the, as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. Now this would have been a very scary situation for them because Samaria was the capital of Israel. and They were in fact right in the, the capital city and right in the center of the city that the king of Israel commanded, where he commanded from. His armies were there in Samaria. The king was there. But what I want you to see here is that God opened the eyes of Of the servant. And he blinded the eyes of the army. Because God is totally in control here. God is in charge of this world. And he opens eyes and he closes eyes. He does what he wants. Now, this is something very interesting. That Bible scholars believe. That this wasn't a complete blindness. It wasn't like when Elisha prayed for them to be blinded. They couldn't see at all. But scholars believe and, and I agree that I, I think this is true. That this is rather a delusion. It wasn't a, a total blindness, but it was a delusion. Now, a delusion is a false belief. When somebody has a delusion, then they believe something that's not true. We might say of somebody, you know, we might maybe our children are making wrong decisions, and we say, God, open their our, our eyes, that they would see, you know, they're they're making wrong decisions, or they're following, you know the direction of their friends, or maybe they met a significant other that's leading them astray. We say, God opened their eyes that they would see because they're believing something that's not true. They think there's going to be happiness in this lifestyle, and it's not. That's called a delusion. So, scholars believe, theologians believe, that the blindness that these uh, soldiers uh, experienced was a delusion. They, They were seeing something, but what they were seeing was false. Perhaps they were seeing that they were... That, that, that they were going to Dothan. Perhaps they were seeing that they were gonna go, they're still gonna go capture Elisha. But it was the delusion that God allowed for a purpose. Now I want you to picture this. I want you to picture this. So now Elisha is leading an entire army from Dothan about 12 miles, they walked about 12 miles to Samaria, the capital city of Israel. So picture this right now: one solitary man leading an entire army. Down the road, like the pipe, like the pipe piper, he's walking. They're all just following him. One bald man leading an entire army into a trap, and he was bald. How many of you knew that? He was bald. The Bible says he was bald. In fact, let me tell. You, in fact, let me tell you another story. On one occasion, a group of boys was mocking Elisha because he was bald. In reality, they were mocking his authority because he was a prophet, the man of God. But they were calling him Baldy. And they were making fun of his bald head. And Elisha turned around and saw them. And he called down a curse on them. And two bears came out of the woods. And killed 42 of those boys. Yikes. I mean, he, he was a man of God. You don't mess with a man of God. Now he, you know, in those days, long hair, long hair was considered a sign of strength. If you were here for one of our early... Uh, sermons in this series, I told you the story of Absalom, the son of David, who led a rebellion against his own father, David. And, and he, he gathered a lot of people to himself. Absalom was a young man. He had long, long flowing hair. And people loved him. People followed him. And he was, he was really uh, making a, a difference and, and could have overthrown his father. But in battle, his hair got caught uh, on a tree, the, the, on some tree limbs. Enough that his horse kept going and he was left hanging by his hair. Somebody came along and killed him. Uh, but the long hair was a sign of strength. Well, Elisha not only didn't have long hair, he had no hair, but he wasn't weak. Not by any stretch of the imagination. So picture one bald man leading an entire army down the road. It must have been quite a sight. And Elisha told them that he would take them to the man they were really looking for. And he led them straight to Samaria, the capital of Israel. He led them straight to their enemy, the enemy of this army, the king of Israel. They followed him there. They followed him there thinking they were going somewhere else. Not realizing they were seeing and following a delusion. Now here's a very important point for us to take from this. When people fight against God and against God's people, God will often turn them over to a delusion. When people come against God and when people refuse to believe the truth of God, and we're seeing this a lot in our day and age, when people refuse to believe the the truth of God, when they refuse to believe the truth of God's Word, then God will often say, okay, you don't want to believe me. You don't want to believe that I exist. You don't want to believe my word and what I teach in my word. I'll let you believe what you want to believe. And he turns them over to a delusion. And they begin to follow things that are not real. This is why we get so many things happening today that we scratch our head and say, what is going on in our culture today? How can people believe this? Because they're believing a delusion. And the delusion comes from Satan, but God allows it. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. I want to read a passage from Romans. And this is a long passage. This is going to take us a while to read through this. But I, I want you all to follow along in your Bibles. Because this, this explains the delusion that many people are under in our world today. Romans 1 says, Beginning with verse 18. If you just follow along in your Bibles, we're just going to read this with very very little commentary. Because I think these words speak for themselves. Romans 1:18, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He made it obvious to them. And then Paul explains how God has made it obvious. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise... They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth of God, the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created. Instead of the creator himself. Who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That's why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex. And instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men instead of having normal sexual relations with women. Burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this. They suffered with themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it was. Since they, thought it is, uh, sorry, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their fullest thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that they do those things, that those who do those things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. And so what Paul is saying, he abandoned them to this kind of thinking. Paul, as we read to the Corinthians, Paul wrote, it is the God of this age who has blinded their minds. And so God says, okay, you want to believe? You don't want to believe in the truth of God's word. You don't want to believe in God. I'll let you believe what you want. And it leads them down a path to destruction. Like this Aramean army, they were led down a path to destruction. They could have been killed by the king of Israel. And we see that in our world today where people are filled with pride, thinking they're more intelligent than God. But all along they're following a delusion. When we hear the truth, but we reject it to follow our own ways, then every one of us, we are all in danger of following a delusion. God will allow it. Because before you start saying, oh yeah, I know people, this this describes so and so. No, this describes us here today. If we hear the truth of God's Word, if we come to church Sunday after Sunday, but we don't respond to God's Word, we don't believe God's Word, we don't don't take a step toward committing our life to Christ, then we're not receiving God's Word. And God will say, okay, fine, you want to live life on your own, I'll let you follow a delusion. I'll let you make your own decisions. So before we start trying to apply this to others in the world, it has to start here at home with us. How much better... To surrender our lives to God. And how much better to ask Him to open our spiritual eyes to see the power and presence of God rather than to be blinded by a delusion. So the Aramean army was following a delusion when they walked right into a trap. When they arrived in Samaria, Elisha prayed for a third time. Remember, his first prayer was for the servant, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Second prayer was for the army, Lord, blind their eyes. Now, he prays again. Look at verse 20. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. When their eyes were opened, they must have thought, we're dead. There's no way we're going to get out of here. We're in the capital city. The armies are here. The king is here. But God had other plans. The king of Israel considered killing them. But Elisha had captured them not to kill them, but to convince them of the power and the goodness of God. The only killing he wanted to do was to kill them with kindness. Now the king of Israel, we know a little bit about the king of Israel. And surprisingly, he went along with Elisha. Because most of the time, the king of Israel was against Elisha. The king of Israel said, hey, they're they're, they're captives. We're going to kill them. They're the enemy. They're on the other side. We're with God. They're not with God. We're going to kill them. And Elisha said, no, you're not going to kill them. You're going to bless them. You're going to feed them. You're going to send them back with full tummies. You're going to send them back blessed. And I think that's another lesson for us to learn today. And that's this. That even though in our culture today, we're in a great spiritual battle. In our world. God wants us to treat people with respect so his name will be honored. It's tempting to say, All oh, those heathens, those unbelievers, they're all going to hell and, and we're right because we, we we're in church on Sundays and we follow God and God says no. No. What God wants us to do is to treat them with love and respect, to win them over. So God's name will be honored. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-one says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. That's what Elisha was doing. Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He said in Luke 6, 28, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. The reality is that as Christians, we are getting mistreated somewhat in our culture. We are getting mocked. We are getting diminished. But Jesus said, you bless those who curse you. You you pray for those who mistreat you. That's what we have to learn from this part of the story. God gave Elisha a great victory. They came against him and he uh, won a great victory against them. He didn't win a battle, he didn't fight the battle, but he did win over his enemies. Because certainly they went back to the king with a report that gave a totally different perspective of Elisha. Remember at the beginning the king was angry with Elisha. Go get him, bring him back, or bring him back dead or alive. Now these men are going back to the king and said, King, you had it all wrong. He's, he's a great guy. He's a man of God. He took care of us. He ministered to us. And I think that people can get a different perspective of God, a correct perspective, if we treat them as God wants us to treat them, with love and respect, to win them over to God. Let me finish with this. Don't live without God in your life. If you do, you make yourself susceptible to following a delusion. God will allow it because God honors our will. God honors our choices, but don't live that way. Instead, choose to follow God and His Word. Secondly, you might be facing a problem today. You might be like Elisha's servant who got up that morning and, whoa, there's a problem there that he didn't have when he went to bed the night before. If you ever had that experience, you get up in the morning, you get a text, you get a phone call, you get something, you think, oh, what is going on? Here I was just sleeping soundly, not knowing that during the night this was happening. Don't panic. Don't despair. Trust God. Ask God to open your eyes. Elisha saw the unseen. You can too. You can too. You ask God to give you spiritual vision to believe that God is always on your side. If God is for us, Paul said, who can be against us? No one can. You too can see the unseen if you learn to trust God.